You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Hey, everybody! I'm Dan Savage. Welcome to the Savage Lovecast. Now, about last week's show. Uh, for those of you paying attention, that show was March 17th show. That was St. Patrick's Day show. And I forgot to mention at the very top that uh, we were in honor of St. Patrick's Day, as I am Irish, completely fucking shit-faced when we recorded that episode. So, uh, you know what? I'm so drunk or I was so drunk, I can't even remember a goddamn word I said. Uh, so I apologize that if the show was offensive, if I said anything really – stupid uh, or uh, obnoxious uh, or if I gave terrible advice and I wasn't my usual brilliant, sophisticated, completely retarded self. We're going to get to your calls in just a minute after this. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of spoken word entertainment. Get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today for details. Hey, Dan. I'm a 30-year-old gay man. I just recently started to date this guy who makes me happy and who I enjoy spending a lot of time with. Um, the problem is, is that my best friend also has been with this guy before and has hung out with him and developed feelings for him. Um, this guy never showed romantic interest in him. My uh, boyfriend that I'm dating now never showed romantic interest in him. It never led him to any conclusions that he wanted to be with them. Um, both my best friend and this guy stopped talking two months before this guy and myself found each other on a website and met. We started to hang out and become a little closer and fall for each other a little faster than what we both expected to. Um, after meeting this guy on the internet and coming to find out that it was indeed the same guy that my best friend had been interested in two months prior to uh, myself, um, I called my best friend up and asked him, would you have a problem if I dated this guy? And I tried to be like responsible and all this other good stuff. But and he just kind of replied back to me with this like dude like answer where it was like, I don't know how I feel. I just feel fucked up. I'm emotionally fucked up, blah, blah, blah. Well, that was kind of vague, so you know, cryptic. So I started to continue to date this guy. Um, my best friend found out and he kind of like moved in on this guy again after two months. And my best friend also told me that he, like, had started developing feelings for myself and all this other. So it's like basically both of us, my best friend had feelings for, but we actually started dating each other. And now I'm just kind of left. I had this bad phone call with him. He called me a scavenger and, you know, told me to find my own man and all this other stuff. So I'm kind of wondering what to do. There was nothing vague or cryptic about what your best friend said when you broke it to him that you were dating this guy that he was interested in and had slept with a couple of months ago. Uh, sounds like he was pretty clear, not direct, but that he was upset by the idea of you dating this guy. And then you continued to date this guy and you obviously knew it would upset your best friend because you did it in secret. You kept it from him and then he found out. Now he's all hurt. Waka waka. The mistake you made was not just saying to your best friend, I am dating this guy. I just wanted to give you a heads up period. Not, may I have your permission to date this guy, please? Will it bother you if I date this guy? 
Because he said, you, that's what you said. And he said, yeah, it'll bother me. And then you dated him. So you, you are now guilty of having intentionally bothered him, having hurt him when he warned you that it would hurt. Big mistake on your part. What you needed to say to him was, I'm dating this guy. I'm sorry. This is probably going to be awkward for us both. Hopefully, uh, we'll get over it. You'll get over it. I'll get over it. Because I want to keep you in your life. I want to be your best friend. And then he has to he has to live up to the maturity that you're assuming uh, that he possesses, that he could sort of power through that, that, you know, there's a limited number of human beings on this planet. There's only a tiny percentage of the men out there are gay. And, you know, the dating pool in any given gay city, there's going to be, you know, friends will date people that their friends end up dating. There's just too few of us for that to be avoided. And your friend has to be mature enough to suck it up and live with it. So now what do you do? You decide, because this is clearly the game your best friend is playing, uh, what you want more. You want his friendship or you want to explore the possibilities with this guy that you're dating and you have some feelings for. I think it should be the latter. Like go run off with this guy. Let your best friend lick his own wounds and salt his own wounds and lick them. And then we'll see in a year or two. If you're still together with this guy in a year or two, obviously it was the right thing to do for you to pursue things with this guy. And you should, you know, maintain respectful contact with your best friend and make sure that he feels like you still have affection for him and want him in your life on reasonable terms, on with the assumption of that maturity that I was talking about before, that he will get over it and not regard you as having violated him in some way. You know, just because he got to this guy first and fucked him first does not give him dibs over this guy for the rest of his life. He can't rule this guy out as a romantic possibility for anyone that he knows forever. That's not rational and you shouldn't have indulged it. Hi, Dan. This is Jessica. Um, I am mostly concerned with my brother. He decided to date someone who was HIV positive and found out uh, post-unprotected sex that he was HIV positive and wasn't upfront about it. Um, anyway, there's a whole slew of issues involved with this, why my brother decided not to uh, have protected sex. I guess I'm wondering what sort of position uh, I could be in he could be in as far as I don't I mean I don't know if it's a, a you know something you could prosecute instinctively I want to put out sort of like a you know a post on Facebook or something that says watch out but I don't know the legal ramifications of that the state of Oregon has prosecuted people for exposing other people to HIV knowingly so your brother is at risk of arrest and prosecution not at a tremendously high risk because typically uh, in cases where people are arrested and prosecuted, <laughs> prosecuted, prosecuted uh, for exposing others to HIV, it's usually heterosexuals. Uh, it's usually a straight guy, often a black guy, uh, and usually younger women, often white women. So that tells us something about uh, our priorities in the society, that uh, those laws aren't fairly or evenly applied. And when it comes to gay guys infecting each other with HIV, there's the attitude on the part of law enforcement in society seems to be that uh, they both got what they deserved, frankly. Um, I don't feel that way, uh, obviously. Here's what you need to do. You need to confront your brother. A, you need to make sure he's getting treated um, and he's on meds uh, for his infection. That will make him less infectious if he even if he continues to um, behave unethically 
uh, in this manner, it will uh, make him less infectious, not not infectious. Uh, and it doesn't give him a pass for what he's doing. You need to emphasize to him that, oh, it's a big fat fucking bummer that he got HIV because he was having unprotected intercourse with a lying piece of shit. That doesn't give him the right to turn around and be a lying piece of shit himself. HIV sucks. It sucks to get infected. You don't get then a pass uh, for the rest of your life. You don't – people do get to judge you based on your behavior after that moment. There's a lot of people out there it seems sometimes with HIV who think that their actions are beyond question because having HIV is such a fucking bummer that we're not allowed to pile on and look at their behavior and what they're doing and say, you know what? doesn't matter that you have HIV and that's a bummer. You shouldn't be doing X, Y, or Z because it's wrong. All right. There's a bit of a hangover in the culture still to this day from what AIDS was in the 80s when people went from diagnosis to death so rapidly that you know you really couldn't say a discouraging word to someone with HIV or with AIDS uh, who'd been diagnosed because they weren't going to be around for much longer. So it kind of didn't matter uh, what they did or how they behaved. It was our job to comfort them and to provide for them and to ease their way out of this world because they weren't going to be in this world long. You didn't. You just. You didn't pile on with a lot of judgment or you shoulds or and you shouldn'ts. Because they weren't going to be around long enough for what they did or didn't do to matter that fucking much. Now it matters. Now we have to pile on. Now we have to be responsible for our own actions. And, you know, we've always had to be responsible for the actions of our friends and family to a certain degree. If I had a brother who was beating the shit out of his wife, I would get up in his grill about it. I would call the police myself. If I had a brother who was HIV positive and was knowingly exposing other people to HIV, I would get up in his grill about it in a very serious and obnoxious way. His time for wallowing in bullshit self-pity is over. He's got to look to his health and he's got to look to the health of his sex partners and not be the asshole that infected him. And I know what people are going to jump on me about. He couldn't be having unprotected sex with people who wouldn't be having – who weren't having unprotected sex with him. Takes two to tango, blah, blah, blah. Everybody's got to look out for their own health and their own safety. Ugh, fucking greed. People shouldn't be consenting to unprotected sex with people uh, whose HIV statuses they're not absolutely certain about, right? I agree. That doesn't excuse what this woman's brother is doing. Just because someone will let you fuck him in the ass without a condom – when they're not sure of your HIV status does not mean that you are good to blow, that you have a right to do it, or that you can't be called out for doing it. It's still wrong, even if someone else will let you do it. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider in spoken word entertainment. Audible has over 35,000 titles to choose from to be downloaded and played back anywhere, just like the Savage Lovecast. Log on to audiblepodcast.com slash savage to get a free audiobook download of your choice when you sign up today. If I were downloading a book today, I might download The Wordy Shipmates um, by Sarah Vowell. The fun thing about Sarah Vowell's uh, audiobooks is she always pulls in a lot of really interesting people to read with her. In Assassination Vacation, she got Stephen King and Conan O'Brien and Dave Eggers and John Stewart. And in Wordy Shipmates, she's got uh, Eric Bogosian, Jill Clayburg, Catherine Keener, who's a hilarious actress. So if you want a good, fun listen, I would go to audiblepodcast.com slash savage today and download Wordy Shipmates. Hi, Dan. I'm a 31-year-old gay man. I have two straight weddings coming up this summer, family weddings. Uh, and I know you have 
a Canadian marriage certificate. And I think you go to straight weddings with your husband and kids. Uh, though I'm conflicted about whether or not to go to straight weddings. Um, my thinking leads me to believe it's a no-brainer. American gays should not go to American straight weddings and should never have gone to them until we are treated and brought up as equals under U.S. law. Um, this angle will certainly cause a shitstorm with my family if I don't go and just send gifts. But asking the brides and grooms to put a note on their registry for others to please donate to the gay marriage cause seems like a half measure uh, that dilutes the urgency of the issue and the principle involved. I'm not looking uh, to punish my family or become a militant gay necessarily, but it just feels very black and white to me. Uh, we'll achieve more progress if we don't, if we have a unified fund, don't make exceptions on the principle that we deserve equal rights. And so we practice symbolic forms of civic civil disobedience with respect to weddings, the most symbolic ceremony in our culture. So I'm wondering, why do you go to American straight weddings? And whether or not you can convince me to simply ask the brides and grooms to make a donation, get a plus one, and just go to the wedding. You know, one of the arguments that the religious right uh, advances in their war on gay people uh, is that there's family and then there's faggots. That there's family and then there's homos, dykes, right, and, and, and gay men. And that they're two really separate and distinct classes of people. So when I hear from gays and lesbians who want to engage in civil disobedience by boycotting their family's weddings, which isn't really civil disobedience. You're not going to be arrested and hauled off for not going to some family member's wedding. Uh I think it plays into the hands of the religious right, frankly, because you should want to go to that wedding with your partner, uh, or in my case, partner and child, to make your presence felt, uh, not to your you know most immediate family members who are probably down with your homosexuality and cool with your partner, but to the extended family, to the family marrying into your family, which may not have any gay members, which may need, need to be brought up to speed. Uh, to the fact that gay people are not a separate and distinct class apart from families, but gay people are a part of every family or most every family and that we have families ourselves. And what better way than showing up and participating and really kind of being a bit of a bug in the ointment for some people at a wedding that, oh my god, the gays are here and you and your partner should dance together and you should make a point of moving through the day as a couple. Right? Because a wedding isn't really just a celebration of the couple getting married. It's usually a celebration of couples, period. It's why people are always invited to bring a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend because it's a celebration of relationships and what they mean and what they bring to our lives. And by showing up, you demonstrate that your relationship is a part of that and your relationship plays that same role in your life that their relationships play in yours, uh, that their relationships play in theirs. Now, what to do, what to ask for in exchange for your participation and presence. I think a note in the program. I think a donation. I think a something said these days from the altar, something said during the service. And I've seen that happen at weddings where people – there you know, may be something in the homily if there's a priest or there may be something uh, in the remarks if people make remarks where love is celebrated including – those here today who may not be legally married. And it really is a way to communicate politically to the people who are sitting there at the wedding who are all going to, in America, be asked to vote on your right 
to wed. And part of the whole marriage movement is changing people's hearts and minds. And what better time to reach them with messages about your equality and messages about your extended family's support for your inclusion eventually, hopefully one day in this institution than at a wedding. So you're not going really doesn't serve any purpose. It kind of makes you look like an asshole and a douchebag. Frankly, in my opinion, um, I'm not calling you an asshole and a douchebag. I think just not going would make you look like an asshole and a douchebag. Uh, you want to go and you want to make sure that uh, your exclusion is noted because, again, by your presence and your exclusion being noted, I believe that brings us closer to the day when you will not be excluded from this institution any longer. So go, go and participate and celebrate your family members' happiness, and hopefully more people in your family and the family that's marrying into your family will want you one day, will recognize your right one day uh, to achieve that same degree of happiness and, and cultural inclusion. Hi, Dan. I am having a sexual problem and figured you could maybe help me out. I've been seeing this guy for um, two months and, you know, things have been going well. But he told me something last night. Uh, he said that he has kind of been voiding sex with me because of my inability to come during sex. Um, because I, I haven't come during sex. There, there have been a few times where I've kind of masturbated at the same time. And usually if I come, though, it's... It's after he gets up and, like, goes to the bathroom to clean up. And I'm, like, lying down on the bed masturbating. And it takes 10 or 15 minutes. And he, he, he said, finally, you know, because he said it wasn't a problem earlier, but last night he said he had been avoiding sex with me because of this reason. And that he felt, you know, it kind of made him feel inferior because he didn't want it to just be about him. And he felt bad because my previous boyfriend could get me to come, but actually he couldn't. I mean, that was a misconception. But the fact is I've never really been able to come during sex. After that, we, we, we kind of snuggled for a bit and then it did in fact turn to sex again. Um, but this time I was feeling really good about it and was feeling better than I've ever kind of felt during the act before. How old are you? Nineteen. Nineteen. Uh, how recently did you lose your virginity? How, how recently did you start, you know, messing around with other people? About two years ago. And have you ever tried, when you're messing around with somebody else, just to masturbate and consider it a part of the act as opposed to this thing you do after they leave and go clean up? Like, during? Yeah, not, yeah, not, not like concurrent. Like, masturbation, if there's somebody sitting on your face, actually is sex, or... You know, if you're stroking yourself while you're giving somebody a blowjob, it's part of the sex. We have tried that. It's just that that really seemed to be part of his problem because it, it wasn't him. It was me. Okay, it well, was my he needs, to, he needs to let that go. Just like there are a lot of women out there who require direct clitoral stimulation, sometimes in the form of a big fat Hitachi wand vibrator, Hitachi mm-hmm. wand vibrator, there are some guys who, at least at the outset, at the beginning of their sex lives, need who are used to their own hand and need to incorporate it. And, you know, if I'll get killed for this. When I'm fucking my boyfriend and he's stro- and he 
you know, beats off during it. It's not like I failed or we didn't have sex. Look, Ma, no hands is bullshit. Hands are a part of sex, even your own, even on your own genitals. And he needs to let that go, because that's, that's the bridge that's going to get you to being orgasmic with him, is what will get you over the hump is using your own hand, having orgasms with him, during sex with him, and then gradually transitioning to look, Ma, no hands. But if he, stig- if he makes you feel subconscious and insecure about what it takes for you right now, to have the orgasms that he says that he wants you to have while you're messing around with him, you're never going to get there. Yeah. I, I kind of feel the, kind of the need to, and then it's just really awkward. I, I can't. You, I, like, I feel like I'm being pressured into it. Well, you are, and it's, it's a particularly kind of immature pressure on his part. He needs to let it go. Like, mm-hmm. if what you need to do while you guys are having sex is stroke yourself to the point of orgasm... That's what it takes for you to get there, and you're you're hard and you're enjoying it because he's there, because you're doing what you're doing. It's not like you are having a masturbatory fantasy that has nothing to do with him. And now you're standing under a freeway somewhere. It sounds like um, you need to tell him to get the fuck over it. You know, and what you need to do gradually is. You know, you're messing around with him, you guys are rolling around, you're blowing each other, you're fucking each other, whatever it is you're doing, you're stroking yourself. And eventually, you know when you reach that little point of no return, where you're going to yeah. come whether you touch yourself or yeah. stroking or not? That's the point now where you should, when you get really, really close, pass your dick off to his hand, right? Mm-hmm. And then you start to move that point back a little further, and you pass your dick into his mouth, like when you're just really getting close to the falls, because you need to you need to train yourself, uh, train your head and your crotch and your dick, not to regard you know that, that you can't do this, that you can't have an orgasm while someone else is providing you the sensations. But it's going to take a little bit. You sound like kind of an uptight guy. Yeah, kind of. And I would encourage you to yes, drink and breathe. And, and you know, your arm going numb in that sort of weird, physically stressed out state you reach sounds like you're hyperventilating. <laughs> or paradoxically not breathing right. which can cause all sorts of crazy shit to go on with your body so I would encourage you to yeah have that inhibition lowering drink or two or smoke some fucking pot <laughs> and I would encourage your boyfriend to not police your right hand because it's only going to make the problem worse mm-hmm. and it's not you know what I say it's only going to make the problem worse but it's not actually a problem it's just for now the way your dick works and the way you get to those orgasms that you have a right to have during the sex that you're having with him. All right? All right. Smoke some pot. (laughs) Have a drink. Roll around. Beat off. Blow a load on his face. Train your dick. Hello. um, I'm a 17-year-old college student. I'm gay. I used to be, like, really, like, really fat. And I lost all this weight naturally, but I have, like, some body issues, some remnants from that, like some stretch marks. And I'm telling you about this because I'm dating this guy who's also 17. And I've never had sex before, but I want to have sex with him. And it seems like it's going to happen soon. And I, I just wonder how I should deal with that. Also, 
during the short period of time that we've been dating, he gave me head, and I was wondering, oh, it wasn't that great. It was a little too much teeth action. But how do I tell him that? Because I, I want to be tactful and not be a bitch. So, hey, congratulations on being 17 and already getting blowjobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of 17-year-old listeners out there who are dying uh, of jealousy after hearing you talk about um, being a virgin who's gotten blowjobs. Most people who are virgins have not gotten blowjobs yet because uh, actually getting a blowjob means you're not technically a gay virgin anymore. So when you say, I'm about to have sex with this guy, and then you say, he's giving me blowjobs, I'm like, no way, you've already had sex with this guy, he's giving you blowjobs. Yeah, but then that goes to the whole thought of what's sex, what's not, and I'm kind of stuck on the whole heterosexual um, identity of penetration being involved. But I've been studying that. You know, that. penetration's been involved with every blowjob I've ever gotten. True, true. The penetration of the throat and the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just razzing you. Like, you, know, you guys are already sexually active. You guys are already having sex if he's blowing you. Now, there's the issue of his blowing you lousy. Right. There's a little too much pain involved, and I I, I I try to be a very tactful person when telling someone around something, and I don't want to be like, did you suck? But uh, there's nothing tactful about letting someone do something to you sexually that you're not enjoying. Yeah. Because they're, you're going to have to tell them eventually, and then they're going to be mortified. They're yeah. Gonna, they're going to piece it together and realize that everything they were doing before, you were kind of enduring and not enjoying when they thought that they were giving you pleasure, and they'll feel embarrassed. So it's not tactful to do what you've done, which is to accept the blowjobs that you don't enjoy. So here's what you do. Like, in the moment, when you're getting blown, you give feedback. You don't give feedback, you suck at this, you're lousy. You give feedback by saying, I enjoy it more this way. I enjoy it more that way. You know what feels really good? This feels really good when you do that. That feels really good. And if he's doing something that's literally painful, you have the right to say, ouch. Okay? You don't have to tactfully endure physical discomfort during sex. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, uh, the stretch marks or whatever it is that you're worried about. Yeah, yeah, like, uh, 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 uh. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a heavy one. There's, there, there's really two ways to go about it. You can either say in advance, I'm feeling a little insecure about getting totally naked with you. You've seen my dick. <laughs> Your throat has felt my dick. Your teeth have raised my dick. But the idea of uh, stripping down makes me feel insecure because I used to be really heavy. I have some stretch marks or I have some whatever makes me self-conscious. And then he'll, you know, if he's a nice guy, he'll say, don't worry about it, don't worry about it, I won't have a problem with it. And then he'll have to live up to the promises he made you, right? That's one approach. The other approach is to just not bring it up. Because maybe the problem isn't as bad as you think it is when you're scrutinizing your own body, and it's not necessarily something you need to draw his attention to. Maybe it won't be a big deal. Maybe you making a big deal about it will cause him to think it's a big deal and make a bigger deal out of it than it might be otherwise. And in the long run, you know, if it is a deal breaker for him, what you look like totally naked, it's going to be a deal breaker whether you say something in advance or not. So if for your own comfort you need to say this out loud before you get undressed, you should do it, but just for yourself. But 
if the only reason you want to do that is, you know, to give him a heads up, you don't need to give him a heads up. That's part of, like, the getting undressed process with somebody is you get to look at your body, you get to look at his body, hopefully there's affection there that uh, glosses over any imperfections on either part. You know, nobody's body is perfect. Everybody has scars and issues and, you know, uh, non-ideal bits and pieces. And, you know, part of love is that you either don't see those flaws or they're swamped by everything else that you're feeling for that person. And you don't care about them. So good luck. Hi, Dan. Um, This isn't a question about me. It's about my friend. Um, He's gay, and he's not out to his family. Well, he's out to them, but they won't believe him, so that's just a bucket of suck. But um, the thing is, he's invited me to a party basically posing as a beard um, wherein he intends to have me help him be alone with this guy and well from what I know about this other guy he's not gay at all Um, so I'm trying to figure out how this happened and if I just my gaydar, which is never faulty, somehow faulted, or if my friend, let's call him Andrew, has a trick up his sleeve. The thing with Andrew is he's pretty messed up. So as terrible as it is to say, I wouldn't put date rape past him. So I'm a little nervous that I'm about to be party to date rape. And that is not a good thing to do at all. So I'm I'm wondering if you have, like, some red flags or some stupid that I can look out for to make sure that I'm not helping some poor guy be traumatized forever and ever and have an anal fissure and be dead and terrible. Don't do anything that you're uncomfortable with. For instance, being friends with somebody who's pretty messed up that you think may be capable of date rape. Don't do it. Don't be his friend. If you really think he's that messed up that he's going to conspire to get this not gay dude alone in a room with the both of you and then successfully rape him anally uh, and leave him with fissures while you stand there mouth agape, not doing anything to prevent it, powerless in the face of your friend's uh, fucked upness. It all seems a little incredible to me. But, you know, if you don't want to go to the party, don't fucking go to the party. And if your friend uh, is messed up and, in your estimation, capable of rape, why is he your friend? Don't hang out with rapists or potential rapists. Don't be friends with people you regard or who, in your estimation, are potential rapists. That would be my advice. Now, part of me thinks you're young, he's young, you may be a bit self dramatic, that you may be exaggerating the peril that this other guy is in. You know, your gay friend wanting to get alone with this guy for a minute so he can make a pass at him, that's not rape. That's not date rape. That's just like young, weird, semi-closeted people being young, weird, semi-closeted people at parties. And that's an old American teenage tradition. So if what your friend uh, is asking you is come with me to this party because I can't go alone and I'll feel uncomfortable if I go alone because this guy I really have a crush on is going to be there and I think he might be into me and I'm going to pass at him. That's one thing. If that's what he wants, if that's what he's after, go to the fucking party. Be a good little fag hag. That's, 
job, right? To be, you know, his wingman in a, in a situation like that. But if you really think that he's dragging you to this party because uh, as a disguise so that he can get this guy alone and then overpower him and buttfuck him against his will, don't go to the party and don't hang out with that guy ever again. He's not friend material if you think he's capable of that. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question for a future show, please give us a buzz. Uh, you download us every week at www.thestranger.com slash savage. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com. And again, the number, if you'd like to record a question, 206-201-2720. Please leave a number and your name so we give you a call back if we have a follow-up question. And uh, that's it. Me and the tech savvy at-risk youth are out of here. We'll see you uh, next Tuesday. Same time, same bat station.